Fuck. I, I, we're all perfectly in sync right now. We're like harmonious 80, 80s businessmen doing coke. This is synergy. <clears throat> Hi, welcome to the Bomb Squad podcast. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Rain Conversi. And today we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984, the newest Wonder Woman movie directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh, Tanner and Rain, how'd you feel about Ready Player Wonder Woman 1984? So, Rain and I, Rain and I saw this in theaters on Christmas. Uh, I don't know about him, but I hadn't really looked up what the public reaction was until after I saw the movie. I haven't either. So I did I, not. I did not actually. I was um, I was going completely blind on that front. <laughs> I went in with zero expectations, so I watched it and uh, I walked out of the theater like, "Yep." That was one of the best superhero movies ever made. Really? And I turned to my friend Rain. I turned to my friend Rain and I was like, how do you feel about it? Uh, I said, said, so at the time, I said, um, I think I call it like the best um, superhero movie of what? How did I word it? Like sort of I've, the best like sort of classic superhero movie in the sense of. Um, I mean, I should have made I should have made notes. I'm speaking from the heart. So it's going to be all like <laughs> gross and ugly. But um. <laughs> like this movie no just kidding um mostly but um like in the sense of just like a like a, a character that um a superhero who's just focused on saving people and focused on just helping people and trying to be the best person they can be i feel like um just like that the classic ideal of a superhero and i felt like this movie was um one of the best renditions of that uh when, when i was walking out of the theater and yeah that was my that was like my um initial gut reaction after watching it. We both fundamentally agreed though that it was one of the best. Yes. That's uh interesting you mentioned like a classic superhero movie like uh like Superman as a Boy Scout, because one of the screenplay writers, uh Geoff Johns, he actually when he came out to Los Angeles to live the screenwriter life and do cocaine, one of his first ins in the town was Richard Donner, the guy who did the old Superman movies. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, and he's a huge, like, classic comic book dork. So, like, he didn't get his start, like, you know, huffing rails and doing DC movies. He he really likes to do stuff associated with, like, closer to the comic books, video games. He's more from that background of uh, not just trying to imitate what Nolan did with the Batman trilogy all the time in some darker or lighter capacity. So that might have been where some of that influence came from. Is this being a, a, a more vanilla superhero movies as they used to be before the race to the bottom of the pit? What's 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 really interesting because uh, we I I think a lot of people got to see Tanner sort of bombarding social media after seeing this <laughs> as the one brave man taking a stand for Wonder Woman 1984, and I'm glad like a good friend you followed him here because uh, otherwise I wouldn't believe <laughs> that there were two people on the planet who liked Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> <laughs> oh no you're one of the people that it's know. the ultimate reveal tanner <laughs> damn it this explains why you were very cagey about your opinion before this, this no is perfect i uh this. listen i i have little uh thin spectacles on i have a i have a tweed sweater that i got just for this i've i've been watching goodwill hunting on loop today because i am your therapist oh. now I am going to get to the bottom of why you like this movie so much. <laughs> Tell me about when you were a child. Did you watch the Wonder Woman on TV? 
uh, the Linda Carter show. Yes. Uh, I saw a few episodes, but I wouldn't really say I watched it. I think I watched the Hulk show more as a kid. That's that's uh same. Actually, I, I got to do a second mask off. This is Mission Impossible, but like recursive. I actually like this what? movie just fine. I, I think it's interesting because yes! when when I watched this in my house so that I could tweet things at Tanner about how I was sad near the end, I uh, I also didn't catch up with the critics. I wanted to like to let this sit in my head for a day, and I really didn't mind this that much. Meanwhile, I've gone on to listen to like Slate kind of give it a positive review. Chapo Trap House completely eviscerated this thing in an episode called Girls on Film. I'd recommend anyone listen to that if you want it, like, analyzed from a weird Marxist perspective. But I cannot ignore the fact that the first time I watched this, while I thought it was a little bit long, it's a very unique superhero movie and very entertaining for, you know, when it came out in the pandemic. We also got to admit, we're in kind of a content drought right now, you know? Yeah. This is our first superhero movie since uh, fucking... I want to say Birds of Prey, but technically, uh, whatever that weird Vin Diesel movie was, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. that's that was that was technically a comic character. Yeah, Bloodshot. Yeah. He was from I think the Dark Horse comics or some shit. I think Image. I'm pretty sure. Thank you. I I also wanted to know, just uh, thinking about this, was it cooler because you got to see it in a theater? How long had it been since you'd yes. seen a movie in a theater? I was. Uh, I've decided that the one risk I'm really willing to really take during the pandemic is going to the movie theater. So I had been to the theaters a few times prior to this. I saw Tenet, The New Mutants. Uh, but the last time I was in the theater was in October when I saw The War with Grandpa <laughs> in theaters because I was just desperate to watch anything in a movie theater. Oh, Did, Weren't you in a video with Rain recently talking about how good The War with Grandpa was? Uh, I think I held up the, me and Joe held up the War of Grandpa DVDs in the family video video. Yeah. Because, I, um, uh, I thought it was better than it had any right to be. Tara, how would you have felt if you got COVID from watching War with Grandpa and then you had to tell people <laughs> how you got COVID? <laughs> yeah, like, was that really worth it? fun of me for that. Uh, I mean, I didn't get it. Wonder Woman uh, 1 dared to ask, was World War 1 worth it? And Rain on the podcast asks, was the war with Grandpa worth it? You know. It's a cool. I, 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 I had the experience when I was watching Tenet, because uh, that's like the only movie I've seen during the entirety of since the pandemic began. And I walked out of there like there was fucking lightning in my veins. I was levitating six feet off the ground. I looked like Kanye West <laughs> in the middle of a concert. And uh, I was what I was kind of trying to prescribe your elation with this movie to maybe having not seen a movie in a theater in the wild. <laughs> but I'd say you saw it nope. close enough to October. You you just seen the War with Grandpa, the the Oscar winning film. So it, it couldn't have been that. You really just inherently like Wonder Woman 1984. I think it's that good. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I have plenty of reasons why that we'll eventually get into. Yeah, let's let's crack this thing open like a fucking egg. Let's do this. Okay. so the full title of the movie is Wondrous Woman 1984 Year of the Rat. And uh, it's Gal Gadot's official penance for the Imagine video that she put us through. Stories by Uh. Patty Jenkins and Geoff Johns. Uh, Screenplay is by Patty and Geoff and a guy named David Callahan. 
So uh, I got a funny story about David, but can you two quickly tell me just in like a sentence what the moral of the movie is? Don't lie. Be honest. Choose justice in the American way. <laughs> what? My guy. Hell yeah. One of the screenplay guys, uh, one of the three associated with this is David Callahan. And when he got to uh, L.A., he wrote the Doom screenplay, right? The, the Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie, Doom. But he also wrote this movie called Barrow. And Barrow got picked up by Sylvester Stallone and made into The Expendables, right? Well, later on, there was a Writers Guild of America West lawsuit where Sylvester Stallone was trying to, like, not have Callahan get as much fucking credit for that script. And Callahan ended up winning the lawsuit and getting paid like 200 grand or something uh, because, you know, he wrote Barrow, which became The Expendables. And then, like, after that shit happened, I think a couple years, there were these emails that were hidden between Writers Guild members where fucking Callahan's just going off about how, like, Barrow was nothing like The Expendables and these dumbass idiots just fucking gave me more money. And that shit's hilarious because cheating does make you prosper sometimes. If you're one of the writers of this movie. Uh, that's so beautifully ironic. So let's, uh, I don't know. How do you want to break this down? You want to break this down by plot? What stood out in the movie? What did you like about it? God, I, it goes on and on that I feel like going through plot-wise might be simpler. I don't know. I will say um, my first and foremost reason for liking it was just how, uh, just how I, I will, I will also say that, um, while I did come out of the theater loving it, I uh, my opinion has cooled down a bit. I still really like it, um, but it's more now I love it words and all. Um, and now those those I do I do acknowledge those words a lot more than I did before. Where I was like, "What? Everyone's crazy. Everyone's crazy except me and Tanner, apparently." But um, yeah, the, the I'd say the key thing I like about it the most would be just how like unabashedly wholesome it is, and just um, just yeah. If I had to distill it down uh, to one point. I've doubled down. Yeah. I still think the haters are idiots. Because um, <laughs> they are. They are idiots. Um, everyone just stops listening. They're going to listen to this podcast thinking it's another let's tear into this movie podcast. And they're just going to be really confused when it's everyone being like, yeah, this is awesome. No, uh, my feelings to Rain, my feelings are actually quite similar to Rain's. Um, overall, it's just, it's very magical beautiful wholesome movie it, it, it feels real genuine and honest in a way that superhero movies aren't always like i love the mcu and i i adore the mcu i love the mcu movies um but what this has that a lot of those movies don't is just this this unabashed sort of sense of honesty like it's not afraid to hide like mcu movies can sometimes feel like if that makes sense um yeah before i talk about mcu i i have to uh i got a big soy a glass of soy right here and i'm gonna put my oh, uh, epic bacon mouse pad under my mouse real quick okay uh, when Doctor Strange came out, I remember critics were saying that the the ending, how the conflict got resolved with uh, Dormammu, the villain in that movie, was kind of, uh, what was it, ingenious for the time. Because Doctor Strange had to use his brain to kind of get around this villain. He didn't just punch it super hard, which is a common complaint you get with Marvel movies. Whereas this found another category for defeating the final villain. 
Wonder Woman appealed to everyone's hearts. She used her heart to save the world. To their humanity. Yeah, and that ruled. That fucking that might have been my favorite part of the movie. I've heard people being like, I would have liked the movie more if Max Lord did. No, shut up. You're wrong. I'm not even going to just say, like, I disagree. You're wrong. I, I don't want to say objectively wrong because opinions are subjective. But you're objectively wrong. But I loved the ending so much. I uh, I picked something up while I was doing research for this. So you know how Pedro Pascal, Max Lord, his real name mentioned in the movie is Maxwell Lorenzano? Well, uh, oh, yeah. did you know that Pedro yeah. Pascal's Spanish name is... His his Spanish name is Jose Balmanceda. So Pedro Pascal, Max <laughs> Lord, Jose Balmanceda, Maxwell Lorenzano. <laughs> I I think they did that because oh, of him. That's that's my fucking X Files theme play here conspiracy theory. But uh, did, okay, this is something that was mentioned no. a lot, um, and we don't have to veer into this territory because it's so 2020. But I heard a lot of critics say that this was a very blatant Trump allegory. All right. So I did um, I did have some nitpicks when I walked out of the theater. Um, one of my biggest, like, I thought one of the most jarring decisions was how, like, watching the film, I think, like, through the costuming and through, um, through his environment, just through every, like, every way a film could communicate something, like, without just spelling it out, it was, like, visually telling us this guy is Trump. This guy is Trump. But um, and even to to some extent through Pedro, uh through Pascal's performance, it even felt like that. But um, but like when you get down to it, his character's like like the core of his character is nothing like Trump, and I just and he's you know he's actually this super like like he's not really evil. He's just super super callous with everything he's doing in the movie. I guess spoiler, but um, if we haven't already crossed that point, but uh. Yeah, we've already crossed I that just, point. So I just don't. Um, I thought it was a very odd decision to go that direction. I get like he's because he's more just like general facade of an '80s businessman, and Trump was you know '80s businessman. But still, just and I, I it was a it was a decision that did not sit well with me because like if you just read the script, you wouldn't really get the impression that oh, this is Donald Trump because they're nothing alike. So I thought that was very odd. Um, a very weird conflict of of us of just stylistic conflict so yeah i am now going to stop talking when and let i one of you guys start talking when i walked out of the theater and you brought that up i was confused because <laughs> i didn't get that impression at all and then you pointed it out and i was like i guess but um apparently that was a very common opinion was that he was trump but i just didn't get that impression uh, yeah because... personally uh, maybe it's because I'm somewhat familiar with the comic character as is, and that's how his character is. Is you know, aside from the more humane aspects, is kind of pretty down pat to the character in the comics. Um, so maybe that's why I never got the impression. But no, I just I was just like, yep, that's that's uh Maxwell Lord Pedro Pascal, aka the hottest man alive. I um, I actually after watching this and then hearing uh, what the critics had to say. Uh, had to say, I actually shipped my college degree back to my alma mater, and I now uh, permanently wear overalls because I completely missed that it was supposed to be Donald Trump. And to add to that, because that's not enough of an <laughs> offense for me to be wearing these stupid overalls, 
But I thought Stuart Milligan, the guy who plays Ronald Reagan in the movie, was Michael <laughs> Shannon in a lot of makeup. <laughs> that's that's fair. Okay, that's okay. if it fair. makes you feel any better, I was convinced it was Bill Hader in a lot of makeup <laughs> for some reason. So, you what? know, <laughs> we, we both made mistakes. That doesn't make any sense. Are you just like, well, Kristen Wiig's here, so... It was his eyes. I thought he had Bill Hader's eyes. <laughs> he was definitely... He was definitely a low-rent um, actor Austin just did. Michael Shannon. Uh, Michael Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. It, I, I was super stoked that they had him in another DC movie not playing Zod. I was like, this is weird as fuck, and I like it. <laughs> but Also, I think it was hilarious that uh, that they call that his... I think they, they uh, say the president by name. It's, um, it's just like they use some random last name, even though it's obviously Reagan. Yeah, uh, like, I couldn't. I I remember when I looked it up after the fact that he was credited as uh, God, what was he credited as? It's just like some just generic last name. Potus. President. It was Potus. He's credited as Potus, so they didn't commit to any name. Uh, Lame. Yeah, I mean, uh, at least it's not sorry to bother you where the whole guy's last name is just like a bunch of empty dash marks. Uh, there, there was so that I, I did have kind of a unique experience watching this rain. Did Tanner tell you that I hadn't seen the first Wonder Woman before I saw this one? Oh, no. OK, that um, that that must be interesting. It was it was pretty cool because um, I, I do now. I, I just saw Wonder Woman today, finally, to get ready for this. And I think that that is kind of the right way to go, um, especially if you're going to, you know, eventually be made aware that lots of critics pan this movie because wonder woman one was a completely different tone than this it it really tried to be something different than this did and wonder woman two is a lot better if you haven't seen wonder woman one and uh one of the things that kind of hit me that i i uh i thought was fun hitting me with wonder woman 1984 instead of the original one was realizing that all the people in that opening sequence had to speak in a stupid Israeli accent because Gal Gadot is bad at acting. <laughs> that hit me like a pound of fucking bricks. And I, I guess it might have yeah. done that in the first film, too. But I was watching it happen. They and did. it was yeah. like, did, did either of you ever hear about that deleted scene from Terminator 2 where they try to explain why Arnold Schwarzenegger robot has that weird accent? Oh, um, I'm thinking of the yeah. scene in the third one, I think, where. I'm thinking of the scene in the third one where it's, the, where it's Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Texas accent. Yeah. They're like, howdy, I'm Sergeant General William Candy. Yeah, yeah, uh, but okay. That's obviously not what you're talking no, about. No, I, th- I, th- I guess yeah. it, it might have been from that, but there was some kind of strange, like, retconning explanation why the robot has a fucking, what is it, Bavarian accent? And, uh, I, oh, in that T3 scene, it's because one of the guys are like, that guy's accent is stupid, and some skinny dweeb who looks nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger says, we will fix it, in Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, and it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Why was this deleted? It would have been the best part of the movie. I, I really like that they, because uh, cause it also reminds me of how they had to spend like $100 million getting Henry Cavill's mustache off his face. They had to give everyone uh, in the mascara in, in, in an Israeli accent because Gal Gadot can't do a normal accent <laughs> or or a Midwestern no. kind of inoffensive, whatever, every person accent. They're just like, all right, all of you are Israeli. Robin Wright, you're Israeli now. Uh, Connie Nielsen, you're Israeli. Get get over here. Little kid, you're Israeli, too. I was. Yeah, 
it was that would that really fucking hit me uh for being my first wonder woman that seemed a little bit funny and i also gotta say i don't like gal gadot that much of it as as an actor it 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 wasn't she's uh she has limited not, range but i think i don't know she her limit her very limited range she has very limited range but what little range she has really works well for this wonder woman and i think that's more a testament to patty jenkins because wonder woman in the other movies i'm like in justice league i'm like ah what the fuck is this and batman v superman i'm like all right you had like three lines i guess you did okay but in her own movie she really knocks out of the park but in everything else wonder woman's been in i've been very lukewarm on it that's a great point actually yeah, I really think Patty Jenkins is a help is able to help craft this perfect character for this Wonder Woman that works perfectly within Gal Gadot's range. You know what? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's right. That actually works. I mean, it's good. She uh, they they fucking uh, there's a behind the scenes feature right where they said they're about as close as family. Gal Gadot's family actually briefly appears in the movie. Apparently, her kids were allowed to hang around on set. By the way, this is super fucking trippy uh, because when I was younger, like you ever looked at Patty Jenkins's feature filmography? It, it's 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 so it's uh, yeah. such a head fuck, dude. There's like a 14 year gap. She did this amazing movie when I was younger. I used to tell people because I caught like I caught Monster on like Showtime when I was younger and I didn't know what it was. Right. And that movie blew me away. It was like this really gritty lesbian movie where Charlie Theron gives like this transformative ass daniel day lewis tier performance and i was like oh man i wonder what kind of crazy fucking art films this person's made and then now it's like she made two wonder woman movies and it's like these these are literally her first features since then it's crazy. she's a fucking powerhouse director and she just like chilled out and did television and then graced us with two wonder woman movies in a row <laughs> so well she almost did the second Thor movie. What? Um Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. she was attached to direct Thor the Dark World. I can't remember why she left. Let me it was, see if I can find it. Um I don't remember all I know is that it's part of the reason why Natalie Portman didn't come back for the third one. It she was pissed off about that. It was studio notes, um I'm pretty sure more or less. Marvel sometimes doesn't like it when you take their movies in a good direction. Like, they also weren't feeling having a good Ant-Man 1. Uh, Ant-Man 1, they didn't yeah. want it to be good. So when Edgar Wright was making it good, uh, they threatened to take him out back and beat him with a fucking uh, cricket cricket mallet or something. And so he scuttled out of there. And uh, I think it was... Oh, <laughs> she left because, according romance, to her, right? she couldn't do the story that Marvel wanted. I was going to say, I think I remember hearing, like, she wanted more romance in the movie or something like that. I think it's just code for Marvel script sucked. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Thor The Dark World is one of the highest rated fucking Marvel movies. You take that shit back. Okay. I I, I defend that Thor The Dark World is better than Infinity <laughs> War. It's better than The Dark Knight. I... <laughs> Please keep going. Did you know that uh, the, the costume designer, or, uh, yeah, Lindsay Hemming, uh also did uh, on this movie Lindsay hemming did the dark knight movies did you know this has the costume designer from the dark knight movies and she's she's also a costume designer whose last name is hemming oh oh my god <laughs> that's amazing 
I will no, say be- before we get back on track, I will say um, the Dark World probably has one of the better. Uh, it's probably one of the better shot MCU movies. I'll give it that. Really? You know, I think it has sure. Been. It sure looks like it was shot. Oh, uh, what should we get to now? I will say, you know, let's get let's get to a let's get to a big uh, elephant in the room about this movie. So when I first saw it, I did not. Um, I still I'm not I'm lean. So on the topic of of did uh, did Diana rape a guy? Let's get to that. All right. We're just. Okay. Yeah, there was a Mary uh, Sue article about okay. how uh, the whole what is it? Body swapping trope doesn't play as well as it did in the 80s and that this is a. Uh, rape story and that consent is shoddy which is really weird considering this is like a me too movie did you know that this was the first movie to sign off on the producers guilds of america's new guidelines for like sexual harassment training on set it was a huge thing this is like a feminist production and yet there was that oversight it's kind of weird right so i found all the people comparing what happened in this movie to rape deeply offensive I found it insulting and I found it belittling. I, 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 it's, it's just strange because it's a magical wishing rock. And I feel you could contort it. Um, what happens to the body yeah. that he's in charge of for a while in a lot of ways. And I don't, so people are kind of going towards the worst possible case scenario that, or maybe I'm not doing I feel like I'm maybe inhabiting too so. much of Patty Jenkins's excuses for what she did. I honestly, when I left the movie, I, I didn't really think about it, which I guess is my bad. So coming out of the theater, my um, it was my biggest issue. But if I'm if I'm being honest, um, I don't um, it was more my problem with it was more so just like a like a plot. Like it was just a movie that is running a little bit on the long side, it felt like it was just too much padding. Like, it would just have been way more efficient just to be like, oh, he's back, he came back to life, instead of having this whole thing that just felt too elaborate. Yeah, that was something that another person brought up. You could have just brought him back. Yeah. Jumping on what uh, what Tanner was mentioning earlier, I will say that, uh, I don't know, so my thought on the whole is, did he get raped thing is, like, theoretically, if this was a, if this is a real, like, event that happened in real life, like yeah, like if someone's if some ghost like possessed this guy and then that guy the dead guy's girlfriend uh started sleeping with him while he's possessed. And yeah, that I feel like that's uh that's grounds for, for some sort of um for some sort of lawsuit, but but uh I don't know, it like the situation's <laughs> a lawsuit. <laughs> Your honor, you can't prove my client was possessed. But um I, listen, the, the, I don't know how to explain this, but they did the get out thing to me, and then they fucked <laughs> on my body. <laughs> But the situation is so, um, I don't know, the situation is so outlandish, I guess, that it wasn't, um, it was, you know, just like the, you know, yeah, oh, this, a dead guy ghost possessed her, possessed him, and then the Wonder Woman, then Wonder Woman slept with him, it's, um, like, it's so outlandish, I, I didn't, um, I didn't put too much thought into the whole, like, how it could be, how it could have been read. I, I gotta say, I probably got smokescreened yeah. by, uh, watching Kirsten Wig beat up the Me Too guy in the park. Or uh, by the side of the van, because uh, this this movie contains a, a, a nasty Me Too hobo that she just beats the shit out of, rightfully so. And my brain was tricked into this vegetative state where I said, "Wonder Woman 1984 can do no wrong." <laughs> Maybe that's a really good Trojan horse. Is you just make a movie that just has like 
outright just really like progressive shit like that i guess that just kind of like blinds you to other weird shit that it's doing i wonder if there are other movies that have done that to me i feel bad now well it's funny you mentioned that because i mean i've seen a lot of people using that as um like a criticism like because it feels like the movie's trying to say that uh like she's going too far and that she shouldn't be like this is to show you that oh she's evil now because she's going too aggressive on him but uh which i don't disagree with i think that is um I don't know. That's another thing is I feel like everything with Kristen Wiig is um, it's fine until it's not. And then when it's not, it's okay. I thought the music cue uh, specifically in that scene, like Hans Zimmer needed to just dial it the fuck back and take a note from the Coen brothers, because that scene would have been a lot cooler with less music telling you it's bad so that I could have like, you know, it could be more like you projecting yourself onto the events because I really like that the Me Too hobo was really aggressive for the whole movie. And it was kind of a relief that he was kind of, uh, I don't know, getting his ass beat a little. And then the music was just like the same music you'd play if people were sailing into a storm that was going to kill them. And I was like, stop it. I kind of like this. Don't play the storm music. Don't play the fucking Jaws music over this. <laughs> don't make me feel bad. So I want Hans Zimmer knew what he was doing. I want to get back to the wishing rock. So. I'm not sure if Austin will know um, will know what I'm talking about. I'm assuming Tanner will. Uh, so apparently, at one point, I heard a rumor that the Wishing Rock was supposed to be connected to Sandman. Apparently, and this was going to be like a like it was going to be a jumping off point for the Sandman, uh, like a Sandman movie. Sandman from Spider Man Three? No, um, no, it's Neil, the DC yeah Neil Gaiman Sandman. Sandman. Uh, really? Apparently, I heard this rumor. What? But like. Because apparently, like, this movie was shot, like, a while back. And um, even before, not counting COVID, they, like, they were sitting on this for a while, apparently. So, and then it, so it sounds like there might have been, like, a lot of script stuff going on. Yeah, at one point, because I remember uh, Jason Gordon-Levitt, I think it was. He was going to uh, direct and star in a Sandman movie. I don't think that's still happening. But uh, I guess they were going to try and leave it open to have him be in this universe. If... Maybe maybe the room I heard was complete BS or I just read it wrong or something. But uh, but yeah, just throwing that out there. Well, I'm relieved that that's not happening because now I don't need to see a trailer with Mr. Sandman by the Cordettes <laughs> played all slow to sound like a Smashing Pumpkins song as it slowly reveals more and more of that guy from 500 Days of Summer <laughs> in superhero makeup. Warner Brothers must be stopped no matter the cost. Warner Brothers is never going to be what? stopped. They're going to fucking kill the theater industry this year and you're you going to like that's it. That's the best the best thing I can say about uh no. about this movie is that they didn't ever uh have a a serious cover of a pop song, of an old pop song. Yeah, instead they just uh took uh music from the 2007 movie Sunshine for some reason. Yeah. But uh it, it was a good call because that music really helped sell that scene. Who isn't that? Is that a Clint Mansell score? I, I'm not remembering right. I know it's a Danny Boyle film, but I forget if they work together. Sunshine is underrated. I love the score to Sunshine. No, it's a great movie. It's uh, who scored that? I'm looking at uh, uh, Cillian Murphy. No, um, <laughs> uh, John Murphy. No, no, uh, Eminem. <laughs> yes, Venom. <laughs> I got that. I uh so one thing I really loved about Wonder Woman 1984 
Although I, I will say it kind of has pacing issues if you're an impatient person. The first hour of this is a very different movie from the second hour of this. But it does something I really love in movies where the stakes are kind of hazy for a while. You're not sure what kind of movie it's going to be. And then by the end, it is decided without your consent or without your, uh, you know, uh, able to press on any breaks that it's going to go batshit crazy up in your fucking face. And I, I absolutely yeah, it love really that. Does, it really does go one from a, from one to 100. I didn't even thought about that. It's again with like, sorry to bother you. That movie starts off with a guy applying to work at a telemarketing firm and then ends with like massive riots and um He's a horse. horse people. And I felt the same kind of magic with this because I was just like, OK, so her friend, her friend's kind of nice, but she wants to be like her. Maxwell Lord is trying to get rich, but not having an easy time at it. Uh, oh, they all get to have one wish. This is going to be so, so fun and interesting. And then, no, he becomes the wish master and everyone's making wishes. And uh, then that Anai Mitchell song about why do we build the wall happens. It's just. <laughs> they slammed the wall <laughs> button on one scene. I, um, uh, you know, it's funny you keep bringing up Sorry to Bother You, because that's another movie where I, I'm kind of against the grain on in terms of opinion. Uh, I didn't dislike it, mind you. Uh, I just wasn't as hot on it as everyone else was for some reason. Um, maybe I'm a bad socialist. Yeah, you're a terrible Marxist if you don't like sorry to bother you. You actually don't have to <laughs> excuse you. I never claim to be a Marxist. You don't you don't have to read theory or do direct action. It doesn't matter if you help people or analyze things through economic lenses. You just have to like the Boots Riley film. Sorry to bother you. We're actually very shallow <laughs> over in Marxist land. <laughs> See, you say that like it's a joke, but I guarantee you that there is a shocking amount of people out there who would say that unironically. I, I know that I'm going to spend most of my life apologizing for the way that other leftists act. I'm just, I'm just kind of, uh, I already do that. Yeah, I'm just cruising, dude. Like I'm here to have a good time. <laughs> Fucking, uh, do, Oh, All I feel is fun fact. Um, so you know, that guy that he goes to take the oil from Mr. Like surprise, I sold my oil yeah, to the yeah. Saudis, bitch. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler. Yes, Adam Sandler. Uh, his real name is... Um, Specifically, Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler. When when Pedro Pascal goes to uh, steal the oil from Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler, and Howard Ratner is like, <laughs> ah, surprise, I fucked you. Uh, I loaned the oil out to the Saudis. And uh, that actor is Amar Waked. Get this, the Egyptian government in like 2019 was like, hey, you're sentenced in Egypt to nine years in jail because he was just... What? Yeah, yeah. Because he was involved in, like, some protests in 2011 and they tried to pin a bunch of fake crimes on him and he's just not having that shit. So uh, he got he got sentenced to nine years in jail for being cool. And so he's chilling in Spain and can't go home to Egypt because he was too cool to to go back to that country for a while. My hero. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. That dude's actually pretty fucking cool, and he sold his oil to the Saudis. That guy, that guy should be Black Adam. That this actor. is a uh, this is a reminder that Egypt is still a fucking mess. <laughs> I I, got... I kind of forgot about how fucked up things were there because yeah we haven't invaded them for oil yet. It's an interesting uh, connection. I'm pretty sure the um like the like tribe that he's talking about in the movie wanted to regain independence. I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be a Black Adam. Sort of like nod, like in that. Oh. That's why I assume it would be very, very out of nowhere. Otherwise, oh, 
No, it makes sense at least. Because I don't think that's like a real people group or anything. I'm pretty sure that's just uh, you know, the fictional. Whenever, uh, whenever they need a fictional, whenever DC needs a fictional Middle Eastern people to do something. I I actually thought they were being boss as fuck for a second and referencing some real world history, just some like old Ottoman nope. Empire beef. Like, nope, nope. <laughs> Nope. Oh, that's what that's what I thought too. I'm gonna pretend that's what they're doing because that's way cool. I was checking the IMDb nope. earlier and it wasn't banned in several parts of the Middle East, so I guess maybe I should just read more comic books. By the way, Rain, your knowledge of this shit is like way above and beyond most of like I didn't know you knew shit about DC comics. Excuse you, I'm at the same level of him. I just hide it because I don't want people to make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm like I'm, I go in and out of reading comics. I'm kind of a casual reader, more or less. But I just, uh, I don't know how I, I just ab- absorb trivia really well. I guess I'm, I'm a casual reader because most comics books suck. Actually, um, that's true. You have to, that's you true. have to wade through a lot of garbage to find anything decent. At least with Marvel and DC, Dark Horse, Image, those are more consistent. But with Marvel and DC, they release so much shit. Oh God. I could probably rant for 30 minutes to an hour about how they ruined Spider-Man for a decade, but I won't. I it's I think it's interesting that a couple of people who actually read comic books have a, a an opinion that runs contra to a lot of the film critics I've heard talk about this movie, who I can guarantee you are like New, New York bake bread during quarantine bougie bullshit people. <laughs> they're the they're the critic in the in Birdman. Yeah. I will say I will say, um, you know, I'm I mean, I'm definitely more of a film person than a comic book person. But uh, I will say for the case of me and Tanner, I assume the with well, I assume with Tanner, like we're both people who can appreciate like the sort of uh, corny Silver Age uh, sort of era of comics and how this movie's very, very clearly uh, aping that sort of uh, that energy and that spirit, which I think is why we're able to. I guess appreciate it more than most people. It's the most beautiful tribute to Richard Donner's Superman I have ever seen. Uh, yeah. You can tell the people that made this movie loved those Superman movies. Like um, like um, the jet scene, which I thought like it's it's very silly that she uh, just knows invisibility or whatever. But I don't. It's not a big deal. But, I don't give um, a like, shit because it's awesome. Yeah. So that that whole scene where they're flying through the fireworks, I thought that was amazing. Like I thought that was um. Like I thought that was like a a I I don't know so you know uh mini rant I don't understand um the most polarizing scene in the world it seems like is the um that flying scene from Superman where he's flying with Lois Lane she's bringing the poem or whatever that scene doesn't work for me at all but I felt like this was like a way like better version of that scene I would agree uh I I think I remember Tim Sullivan who was the third person in the theater with us that saw this movie. Uh, said his favorite part of the movie was my reaction to the yes, invisible jet yeah. scene. Aww. I basically uh, did all but start screaming in the theater. Like, I started going apeshit at how excited I was to finally see the invisible jet in the movie. It was absolutely um, the rule of cool in effect. You know, the logic can be put by the wayside as long as it's fucking cool. This is a movie after all. It was cool as shit! Yeah, and also, if I... Man, if I were to put on like the like nitpicky plot hole man uh, hat, like they make it pretty clear, like she can't. It's not like a ability she can like use in a fight or something, or use like almost she could barely ever use it. And you know, it's super situational. 
Uh, it takes a long time. She can't use it for a long time in between. Um, man, that if there's anything I like, you know, when you when you're you're saying words and then the words keep coming out, and you're like, stop talking, stop talking. Why do these words keep coming out? It gets worse and worse. That when I had to put up when I had to put on when I had to put on the plot hole nitpicky hat. That's that's when I started uh having that it's cause, feeling. It's because it's not who you are. It's not who any of us are. We all hate yeah. that shit. I, I hope that um, nobody who went to Webster is a cinema sense kid. That would really I would really cinema fucking sense, hate that. Cinema sense was something I used to like when they were like five minutes long. Yes. And now yeah, every video the they thing. make is like twenty five minutes long. And I started to realize that some of their jokes weren't jokes. Yeah. Like the thirty three seconds of logos complaint, like really? Who gives a shit? Yeah. It it Um there are there are there are it seems like there's um, at least in my experience, like your freshman year of film school, you're going to have quite a few of those people. But then by, um, by the first semester or two, uh, most of them have either dropped out or you know got gotten over that phase. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like a thing you go through in like your early twenties or late teens. Yeah, it's like a high school thing. More, uh, at least in my experience, and it seems like a lot of people I know you, acting like you're above it. But you yeah. you got to get tired because. One day at a party, someone's going to roast you and compare you to that blonde kid from uh, Polar Express, and you're never going to recover. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I see every single one of those CinemaSin fan nerd people's ads. Every single time, like, plot hole. First off, actual plot holes in movies are very, very rare. Because you have to fuck up really badly to have a legitimate plot hole. Plot holes are not, and this is what a lot of people call plot holes, it's not character development. Yeah, yeah. You notice that? Be like, well, that character did a thing they wouldn't have done at the beginning of the movie. Oh, wow, no shit? <laughs> they, they developed as a person? My god. They're changing. All of their actions aren't predetermined by what they did in the opening credits. Wow. God. Uh, god. Can we Can we get to the action in this movie? Yeah, I was about to bring that up. I, I think one way to frame this movie that, that would uh, allow us to sort of go forward in a way that, that kind of does reflect what more people critically thought of this. The action is sparse, and you can point to a couple of places, and we should talk about those scenes. All right. So do you want to start with the mall scene, or do you want to go to, like, the Middle East scene? Oh, uh, man. Mall scene rocks, yeah, man. I love scene. that shit. Where she's, like, gliding around. around. I yeah, thought it was so awesome. Here, let me say, um, so, like, of all of all the criticisms, most of them I understand, but like they aren't as big of a deal for me, or or the positives just outweigh the negatives. But when it comes to the action, like I almost completely don't understand people's problems. Like, and admittedly, like I noticed my standards for for good CG are a bit lower than most people. But other than like a handful of uh, of really awkward shots, like the the really infamous one where she's running at the camera and super. See, I thought that was intentional, though. I don't think so but like everything else i i i thought i thought it looked fine and even the actions um okay the cheetah scene that's pretty mediocre but um that definitely felt like oh we have to have a physical threat so throw a throw we have to have the big third act fight yeah but 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 they get that i I thought it worked okay yeah it was it was it was whatever it was uh not very interesting but they get out of the way quick um i felt like patty jack jenkins had that scratch he's like okay let's just get this over with Get uh get past to back to the good stuff, but anyway, yeah, the mall scene, Millie scene, mall scene, it was great, it was delightful, it was um, uh, it was 
that 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 was the point of the movie where I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna like this because it was just so. Um, I don't want to be a broken record, but it's just so corny and just so wholesome, and I loved it. Um, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And then the um, and then the Millie scene, like everyone's saying, it looks awful. It looks awful, but I I thought like the action, it was way more dynamic than say a um, than, like that than like if you think the action in this is shit, you must think the action in like any of the MCU movies are bad. Like I think it's significantly like there's far more personality, and um, the way she like is able to use her whip whip is i thought was pretty inventive and then even in the um the white house fight scene which i think is worth bringing up too um seeing diana like uh save people um you like haven't you don't see that in superhero yeah, movies her uh taking bad guys down while also uh trying to like do it in the most humane way possible make sure they don't get hurt like, that it's much. Char- like it's like a great example of characterization through action that a lot of a lot of uh action movies just sort of forget where they it's where like I first know like I first noticed this with the prequels and you know a lot of movies do this um, where where they go into movie mode where characters talk and story happens then they go into fight scene mode where uh, they just have the CG artist do whatever the director takes a nap and then just big fight happens that just is supposed to look cool um, <laughs> yeah it I didn't yeah that, that there was a lot more just I thought there was a lot far more personality in this. And I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm, um, in regards to the fight scenes that I'm um, forgetting. I like Tanner Go or Austin like, Go or whatever. Like for me, for me, when I watch the superhero movies, this is just how I view them. I don't necessarily go to them for the big fun action scenes, though I I do like them. Um, I usually go to superhero movies for the characters. Um, and that's what I really love about these movies is. Okay, basically what I'm saying is, in a lot of ways, they feel like the modern Greek legends. Um, but more than anything, I go to superhero movies for the characters, not the fight scenes. I want to... that Like, the fight scenes help, and like Rain was saying, I really like char- characterization through action scenes. I think some superhero movies do this a lot better than others. Uh, there are some Marvel movies that do this very well, and there are some Marvel movies that do this very poorly. But in recent memory, it, it's hard to think of a movie that does... The characterization through action better than Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, the only one I can think of that came out recently is uh, Birds of Prey, actually. Yeah. What a good year for DC and women. Yeah. Birds of Prey um, fucking rocked. That movie, so that movie was solid. Um, I think, it, uh, I don't know if this will be a digression, but I'll bring it up anyway. So I think an interesting aspect to the uh, whole uh, well-worn, well-worn uh, argument that uh superheroes modern day greek myth is the idea that um people look down on superhero movies and uh pop pop entertainment in general as um as being dumb disposable stuff i always think i just always think that's odd when when they'll uh praise something like the odyssey or what have you which is essentially just a really 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 old version of a superhero movie because in the sense that like the odyssey it was not like some it was not a story that um like twenty something educated kids uh were talking about in between having sex with each other. It was this um God, nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a it was an it was a story for all ages, all audiences, uh for the whole community, young and old. Um it was like it was their equivalent to pop entertainment. So I just think it's fu- funny, like I just think it's um 
odd for us to... It's funny how people look down on pop entertainment when more often than not, that is truly what stands the test of time. Yes. And, uh, Shakespeare, do you ever hear about any other plays from that era? Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's yeah, it's great. A great example. Best example probably. But um Shakespeare was pop entertainment shit. Like Yeah. Like, I don't know, this is what keep, um sort of uh separates me, I guess, when I'm talking to like my really artsy friends about stuff is like I like I I like I like the weird stuff. I like I like um this I, I like I love Mandy. Um but but uh but like I don't know, I think there's something of value to to a piece of art that's able to uh, be appreciated by everyone just be this um just be as big and loud and um just saying i don't know, just just saying to pop art that i think um uh doesn't that i think it's underappreciated doing something simple and executing it very well i think can be just as good and as artistically meaningful as doing something complicated executed very well back to the future is a pretty simple concept it has some complexities but more or less a pretty simple concept executed to perfection primer is a very complex movie executed to perfection but i think they are both equally as well actually i think back to the future is way better than primer but i i think they both have a lot of merit um so yeah i really agree with what you're saying and i think that's you and i really stand apart from a lot of other yeah fucking nerds when we uh see the pop entertainment being as equally as valid as the more artsy fartsy shit like i i consistently my best move my favorite movies of the year are a mix of the pop entertainment stuff and then the more obscure indie art house shit um that's just how it is for me like i see them both as equally as valid and yeah (laughs) Maybe that. Maybe I'm just the film centrist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Austin hasn't said anything in a while. He must be seething. He, uh, he... I, yeah, I'm. I'm just losing it over here. I pissed my pants in rage twice <laughs> since you two started yeah, talking. He, he wants to murder me because I said I don't like Primer that much. My overalls are a dark blue now. A dark, <laughs> dark blue. <laughs> So much piss and cum. <laughs> I, Have you um, seen Billy Madison? I look like that now. <laughs> yeah, but then he made that cool. So, <laughs> oh, I'm about to. Uh, my uh, my friend Jake Howell, he once uh, found a frog on the ground and he picked it up and held it in his hand. He looked the frog dead in its eyes and he asked it, "Do you feel blamed?" Do you feel blamed for this? Um, what does this mean? That sounds like superhero movies are constantly, constantly being critiqued for being this like definitely a race to the bottom aesthetically and as far as storytelling. Ever since the the Nolan thing that happened, where everyone wants to do it dark and gritty, and everybody wants to one up each other. All the Snyder, Snyder all the Snyder movies want to do this, and then God. they make a movie that is a huge contrast to this. First, they make Shazam, which I think was a, a great like breakaway from those early mistakes. Yeah. And then they make Birds of Prey. Same thing. Wonder Woman. They're continuing trying to give us modern updates, new actors, new CGI, a whole new story and uh, give us this new version of what a superhero story could be. And people rejected it. These same people yeah. who are complaining that Dawn of Justice is fucking stupid, that it's miserable. 
Um, when you give them Wonder Woman 1984, they treat you like shit. So again, do you feel blamed? Am I the frog or who's it the frog? Like superhero <laughs> movies were the frog at first, and now I think we are. Uh, it, it definitely sounds like something. Maybe he's saying we're responsible for this superhero. It, no, no. Uh, let's uh, ask Jake. It definitely. I mean, it definitely sounds like something Jake would say. Let's oh, call I, him up. I, I'd love to get Jake on this shit. <laughs> God. That my dude. review of Wonder Woman 1984 is actually just uh, this happened to my buddy Jake. Uh, yeah. Um. So another complaint I hear that might technically be true, but it didn't bother me was how there isn't a lot. Of, it, it probably is a problem, but like there isn't a lot of Wonder Woman movie. But like I don't know everything with um everything with Maxwell was just so like entertaining like he was like almost like a like it was almost like i don't know like he was like almost a protagonist in his own right i even thought the he did haters good. point to this movie at even the haters point to Pedro yeah Pascal. i was like i like that how I much like of this that. how much of this though do you think is goodwill borrowed from the mandalorian because we can't pretend he's anybody else now you know when i found out that mando was in this movie it, it did kind of uh change my experience with it I, I don't me, know I if can. as the one person should... as the one person who's uh not gone around Mandalorian yet, I will say Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You've been spoiled that. No, 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 that. no. It's um I, I, I haven't even bothered trying to like hide the spoilers because it's there's no there's I, I would I don't feel like not using the internet, so so I'm fine. Where was like oh yeah, I still loved him in the movie. Like he was yeah, he was by far the best part. Oh, thank God. I'm sorry. A breath of objectivity from Movie the one man who hasn't seen the Mandalorian. This is this is fucking yep. great. The one man on Earth. Yep. There's only this guy. Yep. You are an indisposable litmus test right now. <laughs> I I gotta ask about the um Wonder Woman and what's his name Steve Trevor, right? Oh yeah, we gotta get into that, I guess. Oh yes, I can't believe we've gone an hour without talking about uh, the best superhero couple since Deadpool. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> since uh, no, they're great. I I love them. Yeah, they, I uh, I've heard people say uh, along the lines of "No dick is this good." No, no dick is like eighty years good, or however long it's been. <laughs> yeah. D- um. Yeah. First off, wrong. I'm of um, <laughs> I'm of I'm of. I'll let uh, Tanner talk in a second, but I'll say like in short, like my opinion on uh on their role in the movie. It's um, I'm of two minds about it, but I can get into that in a bit. Their chemistry was one of the highlights of the first movie, and it continues here. I really love how they, in the first movie, the dynamic was Wonder Woman's the fish out of water. And in this movie, the dynamic is Steve Trevor's the fish out of water. Yeah, I thought- and Chris Pine just sells it so well. But like, he's still, that's the best part. He's a fish out of water, but he still carries this air of confidence about him, which I think really helps sell the movie like he's not just a romantic interest he is a legitimate uh hero yeah in his own right that's one thing i liked about the um, a- i wish more superhero movies did that's one thing i liked about the action scene in the middle east in particular is that there was a vulnerable character doing crazy james bond shit and the whole time you're watching yeah. it you know that guy gets hit with one bullet and that's a huge fucking problem that's something that they don't. Yeah, he's dead. He's gone. That, that's something they don't do in superhero movies all the time. It's like maybe they'll have like a Mary Jane type who's like dangling from the ceiling and or something, but like actively trying to stop the threat and aiding the superhero at the same time. 
while being very pervious to bullets. It, it was it was cool. It aided the viewing experience. It it, it played well with the scene. And uh, I, I also heard people critique how long the dress up scene was, which is weird because that shit was awesome. I loved that. It was cute. I hadn't seen the first movie until today. And now everyone who critiqued the dress up scene, I want to like grab him by the collar and just kind of shake him a little bit. Like, <laughs> don't you remember that happened in the other movie? There's a lot of parallels between the two of these. You know, uh, he she got a long dress up scene in the first movie. That chick from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was there. And now he gets a long dress up scene. They just swapped who was who, like Tanner said. Yeah, it, it, it's gold. It really works how they flip the dynamics on its head. But I also like like how you said, like someone said, no dick is 80 years good or whatever. First off, there are other movies that star men in the Wonder Woman role that have had a very similar dynamic. I don't remember anyone complaining about it then. I'm just saying. Mm. I will say it might be a might might be a sexism. I will say in defense. Um, I I mean I agree with you, Tanner. But I will say in defense, like I think a lot of people are saying it from the other side, where they're saying her being so obsessed with this man is like sort of like a mark against her. I like, but that's the dumb thing. They don't complain about superhero movies where the man. Nobody complained that Captain America threw his modern day fucking life. Oh, okay, actually, people did complain about this, but They're not nearly as much. Not as many. Not nearly as many people complain about Captain America throwing his life away and staying in the past. Yeah. So he could be with some chick. Nobody complained about that, and I think that is like of the similar scale to what's going on here. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I. Um, I well, so I guess could I? I guess I could get into my thoughts on it. So, Steve Trevor um slash actor man whose name i'm blanking on he's great in the movie they give him like a, i mean he he had a good deal of characterization in the first one but like they they even like even more like i thought like every time he was just like giddy like a just like a giddy child whenever uh airplane stuff came up and he was learning more about like the advances in airplane technology like when he went to the space station um or not when he went to the uh museum on space or- when he went to the international space <laughs> station when they entered orbit that was the- when they entered low earth was- orbit good time. stuff like that that was great um it was fantastic i loved it um and their chemistry is obviously uh great it's like one of the best parts about the movie but on the other hand it definitely does feel like they use that because they can tell like um because again one uh gal gadot she's not like an amazing actress it almost feels like they were sh- they they could tell like her and um, her and the guy have such great chemistry. Oh, why don't we just bring him back? So uh, to use him as a crutch, sort of. It almost felt like that. I'm not almost. I'm on a fence. If um, if actually no, I don't think. I think it ultimately works uh, bringing him back, but definitely um, I I felt like they do teeter close to like just repeating material from the last movie. That's fair. Yeah, but for me, for me, uh, the second time I cried. No, no, wait. This is the first time I cried. I'm getting confused. Hold on. The first time I cried during this movie was when was basically when Steve said, I'm already gone. Yeah. And Gal Gadot walks away, runs away, and then learns to fly away. Yeah. That's I, I'm pretty sure I was loudly crying. Yeah. crying. I'm pretty sure everyone I, in the I, theater I heard hear. me. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing people complain about. I don't know. I felt like um I don't know. It was sort of a moment where I just like let the emotion of the scene, let the um the meaning of the scene. I just like let that uh, take over any sort of like logical issues that came with it. The emotions and the impact that scene had 
was worth whatever stupid shit yeah. people had. I thought it was interesting from an artistic perspective that they made him die off screen and they didn't do an end game or some kind of yeah. like strange. I thought that was I beautiful. Like that. I like that. It, it worked really well because he's just a memory. You. And so him, you know, fading away like that, you know, just disappearing off I'm into a crowd gone. of people. It, it it was it was a more beautiful way to do a send off. Well, well, that's I like think, really letting go. I think we can all agree. Patty Jenkins uh, definitely has like a better, better to, like, um, better able to handle romance than like most uh, blockbuster directors can. Oh yeah, almost almost like a woman's perspective on these things matter. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So yeah, definitely. And um, another thing. Another thing people complain about a lot is the opening. I didn't mind it at all. The uh, the with the flashback. Anyone who calls that scene pointless is like smoking crack. It basically <laughs> states the thesis of the film. Yeah, Devin. <laughs> well, now we're just gonna call, we're just gonna call him out by name. We're just call him out by name. How many Good. fucking times Good. on this podcast have you do you mentioned Joe Frenick by name? Okay, like <laughs> we're not above anything here. No, we're not. It was just, it was funny. That's that's why I've got to be on every episode, so you motherfuckers can't say anything about me because I'll always be here to say some shitty story about a frog. Okay. I mean, you also edit the podcast, so we can't say anything shitty about you. Listen, this. Yeah, uh, I I I have my reasons to protect myself um, from the what anti-Semitism. That's it. I'm I'm afraid of anti-Semitism from from you you two. <laughs> I, I wish that they had done a thing in the movie where Chris Pine's character had seen a, a new space shuttle that was being built at like NASA or something. Uh, because I think there was a space shuttle that was being built around that time called the Challenger. I think that would have made a better addition to the oh, movie. No. Oh no! <laughs> oh, Chris, Chris Pine just sees that and is like, it would have represented their doomed relationship. Chris Pine just sees that and is like, wow, something, something, people died. Joke. Yeah. When that thing goes up, everyone's going to be watching. <laughs> Children, parents. All slain. I mean, what? He just starts saying, man, <laughs> I, when that spaceship hits 88 miles per hour, we're going to see. He just starts pointing back. <laughs> <in the future. laughs> oh, my God. I, I, well, Patty Jenkins, when she announced this movie, she said that it was going to be another great love story. And it was interesting that she just went back to using, you know, Chris Pine the strange idea that Diana has been in society for such a long time and really was just remaining chaste because she really needed that above average dick from the first movie. I mean, there's something to be said she, about that one true love. Yeah. Yeah. He was the first man that yeah. she ever yeah, saw in my, real um, life. That might, that might play yeah, my defense. It. It, it's, it's sort of like fairy tale logic. I feel like, um, which for a movie like this, I think works. There's a magic space oh, yeah. rock. Of course it works. Well, not but, space rock, but just magic rock. Tanner, did you just say the people who don't like the uh, the long indulgent opening sequence are smoking crack rock? <laughs> Is that what you just said? Yes, I stand by that. Tanner, if you dislike think... it, that's fine. But if you think it's pointless, I mean, what the hell? Did you know on some of the days when they were shooting that sequence, Patty Jenkins used up to fourteen techno cranes for various parts of that I sequence? Can Fourteen techno cranes. That's a lot, but I can believe it. it, It's sort of a marvel. Uh, It's sort of a DC marvel. (laughs) Uh, And 
hold on. I've got a gun. I'm going to kill myself right now for that. I, I, I think... got a gun. Said to the tune of Jane's got a gun. Hold on. I actually have the movie up right here on HBO Max. Let me see exactly how long this sequence is. It's only about 10 minutes, so it's not as bad as I remember. It's a, it's a giant 10-minute synthesis of Cirque du Soleil and... Um, American Ninja Warrior and uh, extreme sports. Fun fact: the the girl in that the girl that plays Young Diana did all her own stunts. Oh yeah, I heard that. That's crazy. Because apparently she was doing a better job than the stunt doubles. Dude, do you think her and that like little girl from the Wolverine just hang out and scare the shit out of God, people? I hope so. That'd be awesome. There's just a club full of little girls who have the mental age of like thirty year old like ex Russian spies. Hell yeah, yeah, they're. Uh... Fucking, they're just um they're just in the jungle right now um just uh, honing their skills waiting for that all uh, female reboot of uh, Rambo. <laughs> this film is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. <laughs> I'm gonna recut Wonder Woman 1984 so it ends with that. I I thought it was kind of did did either of you have the reaction? I noticed this distinctively happened within me. I was wondering which part was the when did the egregious cheating occur. Was it when she didn't shoot that one uh, color bo- smoke bomb thing? Was that what got it's, her disqualified? It's, it's using in the, the fact shortcut. that she took a shortcut. Just just losing her fucking horse was reason for Buttercup from the Princess Brides to beat up this kid. I mean, basically, the whole point was that, like, first off, she was much younger than everyone else competing. So, like, the idea is that it's a very difficult challenge, and if you fuck up, well, if you fuck up, sucks to suck, I guess. That's fair. That's fair. First time I watched it, I was uh, along with that little kid. I was agreeing with the little yeah. kid. I was like, "What the fuck, what the fuck is this she, shit?" She did everything right. Yeah, at the, it, I thought it was like her using her ingenuity or whatever. Like as I was watching it, then it, it's it's strange how much I uh, I identified with that that child in that moment. I uh, I I don't know. I deserve these fucking overalls. <laughs> I was I was very taken aback of all the twists and turns in this movie. Her getting the shit beaten out of her by that lady from House of Cards, even though she did so good, that was probably the lowest point in the movie for me because uh, I was very impressed. Hashtag young Diana did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if we... Okay, uh, I, I think I've gotten some heat or a very silent heat because whenever I bring up Kristen Wiig or is it Kirsten Wiig? I think it's I think. Kristen. Thank you. Whenever I bring up Kristen Wiig, I always begin the conversation by saying things like, I don't know what her mass appeal is all about. I don't get why she's being cast in these blockbusters that are trying to make a billion fucking dollars. I guess I haven't analyzed her box office returns or her draw as much as other people have. But usually I'm greeted by people who are just kind of quietly pissed at me, like, don't fucking say that shit about an actress, okay? I was going to say she's really great in like indie stuff. It's just it seems like whenever she's doing big blockbuster stuff, she kind of um, is pretty Except mediocre. This, I think she was good here. I think she really worked here. Uh, but, but I don't. She was all right. Okay. I think she was decent, but I definitely, definitely uh, the inferior villain. But yeah, I would have preferred somebody that when they go into like when they go into when she goes into like cheetah apex predator mode looks a lot scarier than the lady from MacGruber. Okay. Kristen Wiig is prettier than anyone I'll ever meet in the state of Missouri, like most of them. But God damn it, I, I could think of some scarier women that you could have cast to play the. Cheetah. That's a good point. I think um, 
I think, yeah, you know what? I don't think she really sells, like, being a physical threat now that I think about it. I, she sells the swarmy nerd thing yeah. really well, which I think that's the reason why it works is because I thought that was more important to her character. The yeah. fact that she doesn't sell being an apex predator, I thought, was kind of the point. It, yes and no. Oh, I mean, because it's it's it shouldn't it shouldn't feel natural. Like it shouldn't feel it should, but it also it should still feel like it should still feel at least a little intimidating. I, I guess yeah. I guess I see that because she needs to be a threat. Maybe yeah. in that last scene she should feel more like a threat, but the entire time it's. I, I got the impression it's supposed to be, like, imposter syndrome stuff. Like, she doesn't belong here. This is not who she is. Does she deserve to be, like, ignored and shat on by everyone? No. But she's not this... I'm getting dangerously close to social Darwinism territory here. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, a review of Idiocracy by Mike Judge. I'm getting way too close to that for comfort. But I, I'm... I'm not saying she deserved to, like, be a nerd, but, like, she deserved to be appreciated for who she is, not be something she's not. And, 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 and she feels uncomfortable in this role the entire time. And I think it's the point. Now, maybe it's laid on too thick or it doesn't quite work. But the fact that she's not an intimidating apex predator, I thought, was to its advantage, personally. God, people that hate this movie probably think I sound like a crazy person. Yeah. It is interesting because I personally would have preferred something where I was wondering during that fight scene between Wonder Woman and the Cheetah if Wonder Woman was actually going to have a very hard time because I was so unintimidated by Kristen Wiig. Um, it, it seemed like something like an obstacle stopping me from the final showdown. You know how in like the Mortal Kombat video games, the second to last boss is super fucking yep. tough, sometimes harder than the yep. final boss. Yep. I, I was hoping for something similar to that. And instead, I got the uh, apparently the choreographer who did the ending fight in Black Panther, except it was a literal cat fight inside of a feminist blockbuster. I will. Yeah, I will say this movie would be would be significantly improved if they just simplified the um, uh, romance mechanic, the Steve Trevor's coming back mechanics, as well as uh, just axing, I'd say, most of the cheetah stuff. Uh, would, e would either of you two agree that it would have been more compelling? I've heard this from some people that I would never have like a coffee date with um, that. It would be more interesting if uh, Kristen Wiig's character was gay for Diana. Were either of you uh, wanting or expecting I that? I low-key got that vibe already. Yeah, it was. I, I it felt very like the studio won't let me, but yeah. it's there. I don't know if it would really uh, help or hurt it in a. Um, like, Might I don't have worked know. more if they made it more explicit. I don't think it ruins the movie that it's not. I don't think it would like save the movie quote unquote if it if it was there i don't i, I don't um I, I wouldn't be against i would i wouldn't mind it though and yeah like tanner's saying i uh that definitely does feel like you, you can read into it definitely granted i'm also the same kind of person that loki feels like electro on the amazing spider-man 2 one of the fuck spider-man um but it's way <laughs> it's also just more apparent here that that's i i really think that was the vibe they were going for in this one yeah i even i even uh like whispered to Tanner in the movie, oh god, this is, uh, this is just Lady Electro, isn't she? Yeah, like except when, it works. Except when, it works. When she, I want to yeah. emphasize this. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was her introductory scene uh, back. You know when we didn't really, you know, still really tell where this movie was going to go. And uh, yeah, at the at the very least, I will say she's better than Electro. 
I uh, I also did. Uh, this is a fun time to bring up that I didn't like better. Maxwell. Maxwell Lord was in the movie. I thought Cheetah was the only villain. So when I when I heard Maxwell Lord, I was like, wait a fuck, really? That's cool. I figured. Uh, I like from what I saw um, from trailers and all that and posters. I figured it they were going to go the which what they did the old route of um, Maxwell Lord's the main villain and then um, Cheetah's the brawn henchman sort of deal. Did, did either of you two like once the uh, wishes started spiraling that out of control awesome. and you just had random people dealing with the consequences of like asking for a, for like horses in the middle of the city and I shit? The weirdest, hilarious. I thought the weirdest wish. Well, may not. I thought the wish I was not expecting from a mainstream superhero movie was um, when a lady said, "I wish your people were gone." And then what I assumed was the case is that. Like Did Irish the people just start actually come in. Yeah, the Irish, then like there was an Irish Holocaust that was about to happen. Or this something. is like right, but be- no, because this is like right before the troubles happened. <laughs> so it's like kind of weird. Yeah, the movie presupposes something that goes. It's entirely <laughs> antithetical to my Marxist worldview, which is just if you gave a bunch of people wishes, they'd all get rage boners and just wish that something in their their immediate vicinity would go away. Or an, enough of them would that the world would descend into chaos and fall apart. No, my favorite wish is the guy that just uh, wish he had a coffee. Yeah, I wonder the very first guy, which makes me wonder what happened when he revoked his wish. Yeah, it, it's either a like <laughs> it's either a something like minor happened to to reflect the uh, minorness minorness of the wish. He like sprained oh. his ankle. Yeah, he sprained or, his ankle because he got the coffee, so his ankle gets unsprained, but now he's just a little cranky again. Yeah. Or or um he got the most valuable thing taken from him, so like he can't use his hands or something, or his you know his brain don't work or you know something like that, just because he or- got some free coffee. No, he's just a puppet, tangled in <laughs> strings. I don't know why I keep referencing that Ultron line lately. I um I you know that movie that movie is kind of a mess, but I I I like it. I haven't seen Age of Ultron since it came out in theaters. I was so disappointed by it that I haven't given it like a second I, shot. Am I be? If, no, I'm sorry. Say, I, I don't. I don't blame you. I I I didn't know if like in the time since it's come out that there has been any kind of reassessment of that movie's critical no. worth. Uh, there has been very very recently uh, because of WandaVision, oh, but okay. it, it, it it most of the. Most of the tweets I saw about it were people bullying the people trying to revitalize it, so I, I don't think it worked. Uh, yeah, it's always time for Pietro posting up in here. What? I you didn't uh, see that coming? Oh, as someone who hadn't seen Wonder Woman 1 before this, I was gonna get on the podcast and bitch about how I wanted Robin Wright to be in more of the movie, and how dumb I felt that they wasted Robin Wright, one of my favorite actresses. And then just fucking, um, <laughs> then I saw the first one today, and I figured out why she's not in it that much. Oh, oh that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to come in here acting like hot shit. I'm just like, I personally run a Robin Wright, I, I run a Robin Wright fan club, okay? <laughs> I'd let Robin Wright peg me to death. Same. So then, um, anyway, I, I got to the party, eventually. What'd you? Glad to I, be I here. I have to know, even though this is a 1984 uh, podcast, I, I have to know. What did you think of the no man's land scene? Uh, oh, that was that. I, I kind of get what all the gay people were talking about when this movie came out. <laughs> it was super fucking duper. It, it was great. 
It was really yeah. inspiring seeing her take a shitload of machine gun fire while everyone else go, go. Everybody else went to go like liberate a village. That was super cool. Yeah, the no man's land scene. Uh, even though I think Wonder Woman 1984 is a much better movie than the original, the no man's land scene still gives me chills. Just, just the way the because first off, I remember in the theater thinking, I swear to fucking god, if she's like no man, huh? And then I realized Patty Jenkins is a good filmmaker. And she wouldn't put in something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> so in this movie, your version of the no man's uh, no man's land scene is the scene where they're flying over the fireworks in the invisible jet. Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. Even though uh, my, I think that's the equivalent. My favorite scene in the movie overall, though, is uh, uh Pedro Pascal proudly just saying to his son, "I'm son. a fucking loser." Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's before that when he's like, "My son." And he realizes what he's done and how he's abandoned his kid. And I, I just start crying because... Yeah, that might be my favorite out. scene, too. It's the second time in 2020 I cried over Pedro Pascal being a father. Oh, no, don't bring me back there. No! <laughs> the second time. It's a trend. Oh, God, that was so fucking good. I, uh, I, I cried when Chris Pine uh, poofed off. And I, I got I'm a little bit gone. emotional near the end there. Uh, did either of you feel that showing the Lasso of Truth flashback to pa- Pedro Pascal, Max Lord's trouble past worked or hurt the movie? I thought it worked because uh, there's a little bit of, uh, of there's some character development before this that shows he's a good guy somewhere deep down. But I don't think there was enough to make the final scene work. So I think that flashback montage help sell it some people may call it cheap but i just say it's i thought it worked it didn't feel like it was oh her dirt this is why you should feel bad for him because i thought it was set up very minimally in his characterization up until that point it it, it, it felt less like i the entire time i never got the vibe that he was just some greedy asshole that wanted to be rich i, I got it a little bit but more more than anything i got the vibe he was trying to prove himself and I think that's just a testament to Pedro Pascal's performance in the movie that that flashback montage at the end works as well as it does because it doesn't feel totally out of left field because the, the seeds are planted. Yeah, I um, my thoughts are... So yeah, throughout the movie, definitely he definitely comes off as someone with inferiority complex and whatnot. So like, uh, seeing his backstory, like it, it does, um, it does fit. But, um... And I, it works for me more than it doesn't, but it, I don't know. I would, um, I would have really preferred it if like they would have been more, um, established before having it, or just having that. Well, I don't know. More having, established, he's a pretty messed up loser guy. Well, yeah, or seeing, uh, ha- having him tell us about his backstory, someone then, and then having it pay off with us actually seeing shots of it. I think that would have worked better instead of, um, just saving it all for the end, more or less, like they did. Yeah, that's fair. That that would have uh, been structured better in the screenplay if it wasn't just an info dump at the end. I agree with that. That's fair. It would have worked better that way. I still think it works, but I can understand like the nitpick with it and how it feels out of left field. I definitely understand that perspective of respected. It just it did work for me. And uh, now on to the most most important game changing thing that happens in the movie. Uh, throughout the movie, they talk about a great Amazonian warrior, uh, one who oh, yeah. gives her a golden Let's suit of armor go. with fucking wings. By the and, way, that uh, armor's sick as hell. 
that armor, ever since that first poster dropped, everyone agrees that armor fucks. That armor I rocks. Want, I want that poster with all the neon colors and that armor. Yeah. Oh, it looks so cool. That poster um, is the antithesis of the Godzilla poster that just came out. Every orange and blue poster lives in fear of the Wonder Woman 1984 poster. I agree. I yeah. agree. It is so. Yeah. Well, as cool as it looks, I don't know. The armor really is just like, oh, it's it make it gives it makes her more durable. Like I don't know. It really doesn't serve too much purpose. If I feel like, um, on a narrative level, fair. but uh. It it does look cool, and it's a cool callback to um Kingdom Come and whatnot. And we get our Linda Carter cameo, so it, it's all worth it. Although I did hear a good excuse or a good uh, argument. Apparently, I haven't I haven't read Kingdom Come since high school, but uh, apparently, like, but um, wasn't like the armor like that was like the show like Wonder Woman, you know, she like she wore it as um during like the lowest point of her character during that in that story. So it's kind of it is kind of funny to see her um wearing that. Um, wearing that during her like triumph, triumph, heroic return moment of this movie. I thought that was. Hey, I, I, I wait, you're know. telling I me I I haven't read Kingdom Come in like ten years. Are yeah. you telling me that Wonder Woman's version of gray sweatpants and a hoodie <laughs> is fucking gold armor with wings when she's down and listening to MCR in a fucking car when it's raining out by herself? She just puts on gold fucking armor with wings. <laughs> It's uh the top five percent of the top one percent has too much <laughs> of the the wealthy sad boy hours. They need to have less have less wealthy sad boy hours. The only Sanders um, voice. This is completely off topic, but the only Chapo trap house I've I've uh, listened to so far was um was the episode where they are reading um who's that little man that little annoying conservative man what's his name I forget. Uh, ben Shapiro. Yeah, oh, when they're re- when they're doing the reading of his the like novel he wrote. That was oh hilarious. god, yeah, that <laughs> racist fucking weird America's a dystopia now fantasy book. Yeah, that was um, that was that was a good. Uh, I just wa- I just um I just wanted to mention that for some reason. I I appreciate it. My my life completely <laughs> changed because I didn't know what leftist was. I didn't know what being a leftist was. Until I started listening to those fuckers. I used to listen to a lot of neoliberal media. I used to yeah. listen to like mostly just slate podcasts. And then I thought I thought I was so fucking smart, dude. And then I started listening to actual like leftist podcasts and I was like, oh shit, right. I don't want to be a class trader. I don't want to move to New York and trade stocks. And now this whole GameStop thing GameStop thing <laughs> happened. And now where am I? I don't know anymore. <laughs> You know what, though? This GameStop thing definitely feels like something someone wished for in this movie. Like, it it has that energy. It does. Also, like, I don't know, I just, I I think the wish stuff, it's so fun. Like, you could have made a whole movie just with, um, with, like, Pedro Pascal, he could have been the protagonist. Like, like, it was just so fun to watch. I want a mini-series that's just him going around granted witches. Okay, I am sad that, uh, this movie, uh, is not done well critically, and, um, Cause like if it if people loved it as much as me and Tanner did then uh then I, I mean I because I would re- I would really be interested to see um what uh what they would do with this character in the future like I mean I don't see that happening now but I mean it's not <laughs> done anyway <laughs> what allow me hold on what what did you think happened when this came out fuck the critics okay let me tell you what happened when Wonder Woman 1984 <laughs> dropped on VOD. 
HBO Max experienced three times the viewership than they had had in a month. This movie got more fucking streams than Hamilton did, okay? God damn, that's actually amazing. They're definitely making a Wonder Woman 3. They've already announced it. They've already announced it. I just I, I just wonder what they're going to do with this one. Is it going to... Am I finally going to get my mid-2000s superhero movie? <gasps> oh my god, wait. Oh my god, the soundtrack's going to have pop punk! Mm. No, no, it's just going to be an orchestral cover of Soldier Boy. You! <laughs> Fine, early 2000s, so we could No, I want a I want a slowed down orchestra cover of all the small things by Blink-182. <laughs> I want that more than anything. Oh, they'll bring in uh, Wonder Girl? Is that um her her name? Wonder what the fuck Girl? are you talking about? Uh Wonder Woman's like um like she has like a teenage sidekick, Wonder Girl, I think her name is. Yeah. Yeah, it's are, it's Alistair's sister. Are you talking about Cassie? Maybe. I, uh, I, I guess her name's Wonder Girl. I just usually think of her human name first. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the last time her and Wonder Woman were actually like featured together in a comic. I only know about her through Young Justice, so that's um. But anyway, what I was saying, they could just uh, to try and make your dreams come true. They could have um, the the movie could be like a like a mentor mentee relationship. Uh, she's come to she's come to Earthland. They gotta learn to do stuff, and she likes pop punk because that's the, the her being a child. Skater is the only, boy, skater boy, skater boy. Because her being a child's the only like you know moral ethical way you could excuse her liking uh, pop punk. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joshing with you. Uh, this movie did two things for me, uh, kind of taking like, a, like all of it is a gestalt, like holistic influence. It made me, uh, never want to fucking name a kid Alistair in my entire fucking life. Well, and I already it, wanted to do that. Didn't want to do that. So <laughs> I, that just got, that just got grating. I was like, dude, you, you thought you picked a cool name, but you picked like a Maximilian. You picked a fucking Xander, dude. and the other thing it made me wish to go back a little bit was i wish there were more wish movies yeah like i didn't i i didn't know until i saw like a 250 million dollar wish movie that this is a very awesome way to do a screenplay is to put a genie in it because that shit went so far up the wall (laughs) i didn't even know what i was fucking looking at or I, my expectations were so thoroughly fucking shredded that I was I was in love with the movie just for that alone. I was watching it and when they introduced the stone and they're like, oh, yeah, she got her wish. Uh, Chris Pine's back. I'm like, whatever, this can't hurt. And then just fucking what I was seeing an hour later. It was awesome. That shit the was funniest, so fucking tight. Yes, the funniest part of the movie, the, the wish concept is worth it alone because the funniest part of the movie was when if when Ronald Reagan, Ronald fucking Reagan, was given the opportunity to wish for anything he ever wanted, immediately says, God, I wish I had more nuclear weapons. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was the funniest part of the movie. Because it was so it was so accurate. Yeah. 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 I I wish I had more nukes dangerously close to the other people with nukes. Then my nukes would definitely win. My wife would tell me when she read her horoscope that that's how I fix this world. 
they should have uh, they should have had a scene where like Wait. where like ha- midway through the conversation with Maxwell Lord, the the president just goes, "Well, oh, who are you? What? Where am I?" Wait, just, can just I wish really for true. more jelly beans? <laughs> <laughs> like immediately after making his wish, he's like, "All right, my wish would be, huh? What? Actually, that's a this is an interesting question. If you forgot you made a wish, would you be allowed to make another one?" Um, is Alzheimer is Alzheimer's OP? Mm. God, cut that out! <laughs> no, dude, that's a really well structured joke. I mean, I like that. <laughs> I love how every time I make a good joke, I just immediately say cut that. <laughs> aren't you, aren't you? A, I don't know. Yeah, no, we're yeah. making a we're making a supercut of all the parts where of all these podcasts where you're like, oh no, cut that. Well, we we, we compile a supercut. We're going to release good. that instead. Only when Tanner runs for office. For for a film that had six different release dates, I, I think it's interesting that we got this product. Another fun fact about this movie is that the uh, CGI was finished five months before its original release date. So like a million years ago, but back before the virus happened. Its original release date was a year ago. Up. Yeah. Fucking the, the, the VFX were done uh, five months before that. They got this shit hammered out like super quick because I guess they're fucking... The the VFX director was the same guy who worked on, like, the Harry Potter movies. So they did that shit really nice. One thing I've heard people say is uh, sort of they had a long time to do reshoots and work on this movie. And it's interesting that we got the final product that we did. Because this must work inside some of the creative people's heads. I think history is going to prove you two more correct than the general consensus. Because people didn't like the thing when it came out. People didn't like It's a Wonderful Life when it came out. Maybe Wonder Woman 1984 will become more well-liked as we get away from the period of right now that is so similar to the 80s. I've heard a lot of people compare this to uh, Spider-Man 3, and I think that will be, like what you're saying, I think it'll be a similar situation with that, where, like, if you look at uh, Spider-Man 3 discourse now, a lot of it is uh, people looking coming back to me, like, you know, it's it's got, it's got some problems, but I really like it, like, in giving like positive critiques of it so i think um yeah i think you're on the ball with that at least i like yeah, this i, I, I want to think you are at least in this in, yeah. yeah i i don't i don't i don't think it's gonna be like when people hated spider-man when it came out they're not gonna like suddenly love this movie like we did but they're definitely i think appreciation for this one's i think uh, as time goes on on long enough timeline they might but yeah probably not to that degree it um Oh, yeah, I think uh, another good comparison would be, uh, like, the two that, well, not to this movie, not really, at least, but uh, to the 2003 Hulk, Angley Hulk, where that, uh, people did not like that at first, but now it's um, most of what I you know, hear I, about. I still feel like you and I are weird for liking that one. I don't know, it, I think it, it's, um like, most of the discourse around it, uh, like, if you look up something, anything about 2003 Hulk, it will be like, oh, it, it's pretty good, it, uh, it's underrated. Um, no, that's, I think that's mostly because the people that didn't like it forgot it existed (laughs) (laughs) uh, that doesn't work for spider-man 3 because that was like the highest grossing spider-man movie for a long time yeah for 2003 hulk i i think the reason why it seems like it has so many defenders now is that the people who didn't like it don't give a shit anymore because they thought it was boring yeah Superhero um, movies have evolved to being like five different things since the 2003 Hulk happened. It's no longer a threat to them. They could they could just kind of back off and be at be at a distance with it. Um, that's you know what, 
if I can uh, make a connection between Angley Hulk and uh, Wonder Woman 84 is that uh, they do that, like, I feel like there's definitely a, you can tell, like, there's a director behind both, like, there's uh, their uh, flourishes are there, like, apparent in both instances, which I didn't feel like it was as much the case in the first Wonder Woman. Um, for as far as I can tell, she didn't, uh, Patty Jenkins didn't really have a lot of experience doing, like, uh, big-scale blockbusters for movies before this, and um, a problem with I have with that I do like the movie a lot, but a problem I do have with that movie, along with like almost all like superhero movies now, big blockbusters now, is where they just get like some indie director who uh, does not really have much experience uh, knowing how to like you know proper properly make a movie like at this scale, as well as having the flats really like push back against studio stuff and just do their do what they do best. Um, um, they, she just didn't really have that. I feel like in the first one, but in this one, I felt like she was a lot more comfortable, uh, a lot more comfortable with the scale of what was going on and all that, um, and the actions in all the action and all it was a lot more creative. I thought, and uh, yeah, yeah, big, big agree there. I can I can think of some things that might have rubbed people the wrong way because they were distinctive inventions of Patty Jenkins's wonderful wonderful mind. Uh, like that opening sequence is so indulgent and weird and like over the top you would not just see that shit randomly in a superhero movie i actually heard i think it's a it's like a production story about the movie that uh the studio was fighting for her not to keep that in there they said yeah you can have the mall scene uh where she takes down the baddies in the mall teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 secret of the ooze style or you can have this crazy fucking Cirque du Soleil thing and she was like listen we're having both or I will shoot this dog and then she held up the statin <laughs> cover of National Lampoon <laughs> no no it's great because like she, she could have just been like you already fucked over my third act don't you fucking dare yeah and, and uh yeah the sequence in the Middle East it, it was uh that, that was that was kind of brilliant because she had to know Gal Gadot's public image as a former member of the IDF. Having a former member of the IDF swing in and save some Middle Eastern children was so Patty Jenkins. I got it. <laughs> I, I think she knew what she was doing there. So I will say some of the weirdest, I've noticed this a lot where people critiquing this movie will use progressive language, like abuse it in a way to critique it. Like, apparently there was some situation where the IDF killed some kids that were playing soccer. So, because, you know, it's the fucking IDF. Yeah. Um, and they made some weird comparison to, like, Gal Gadot. I don't know. It was really weird. I'm just like, I think you guys are reading into this too much. I think that's just a coincidence. Soccer's a popular sport. <laughs> I I think of, well, I don't know. The problem I, I've had with this discourse it's like I think it's understandable to a degree, especially if um you know like if like you know a Palestinian I don't know, like a Palestinian person has a problem with it I I understand but like I don't know, I feel like a big difference between this and like like if like if if this was like some like if she was like some American um veteran or something some American soldier is the fact that like all Israeli people have like are constrict forced to be in the army like she it's not really something you have a choice in the matter of so i don't i feel like that makes a substantial sort of difference in in this sort of uh discussion yeah, it's yeah kind you of gotta understand how israel makes their citizens be war criminals well you also gotta understand patty jenkins and uh in like behind the scenes stuff this whole 
crew, cast and crew, or or at least the cast, they see each other as family, mostly because Gal Gadot brings her fucking kids to set all the time. And they all had a lot of fun making Wonder Woman one. So it's very reasonable that Patty Jenkins could be like, all right, I am going to write this in because, yeah, she she knows Gal Gadot like as a close friend. And she's like, all right, let's give her some PR where she fucking, you know, we got this image of her saving Middle Eastern kids. But also, I did say that as kind of a shitty example of what a Patty Jenkins touch is. I'm sure a much better (laughs) example that wouldn't lead to discourse about an apartheid state would be like her talking to the entire world as as a chance to try to stop the sky beam. Because you know how people reduce that third act superhero movie thing into some kind of sky beam? Well, in in this movie, the sky beam was that particle cannon maneuver that Max Lord does. And it it seems very Patty Jenkins to just have somebody like intercept the sky beam and use it to like make a universal like, you know, plea to the world to please stop fucking this up so hard. You know, that's that seems very Patty Jenkins for a superhero movie. I just want to say about the sky beam discourse. I don't think anyone would have sky beam discourse if it wasn't for fucking Suicide Squad. I don't remember anyone giving a shit before that. I was going to say, it might have been a uh, like straw to break the camel's back situation because there there really are like a lot of movies that had that uh it's just that with suicide squad it was so much more explicit yeah yeah that's it huh we're some kind of wonder woman 1984 (laughs) (laughs) okay let's 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 have some closing thoughts on the movie uh did you two feel like you adequately got to express on the show like like what you liked about the movie have you gotten to properly spread the gospel yeah, I think I got I all like, my takes, got all my, um, I think I proselytized enough. I feel like I would need two more hours to fully express it, but also nobody wants to hear me ramble on about this movie for that long. Tanner, I will gladly I, I got- do a bonus podcast if you just want to keep <laughs> ran- rambling about Wonder Woman. Extended. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I got all my major points out of the way. If, it's just- well, once we get like a million views on this, then, um... Then we can do the sequel. Yeah, podcast. Th- this isn't gonna this isn't gonna fucking crack one hundred. None of the podcasts do. Once this cracks a million views, then uh, we'll do the sequel. <laughs> it's gonna, no, it's gonna get hate watched because it's a two hour video <laughs> of me of people praising Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. So people are gonna like bully us. I mean, they can bully us all they want, but why'd they watch this more than Hamilton? Huh? The numbers don't <laughs> lie. Warner Bros is releasing all of its movies in theaters and on VOD because everybody watched this thing. So it had to at least be popular. They all Wait, tuned in. Wonder and, Woman 1984 killed cinema? Yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't that Trolls movie that we initially tried to blame it on. Oh, yeah. That was forever ago. Trolls World Tour, I think. Jo- I'm Justin Timberlake and singing killed my mom. So I don't sing anymore <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, I, I think it's cool that uh, we, you know. I got to do a podcast with a couple of people who like the silver age, wholesome superhero movies. And I, I really do think that is let's, let's zoom out here. I think that's how DC kind of digs itself out of a hole because you can't top Marvel with their fucking formula. They're Joss Whedon movies. They're weird little quip and punch featurettes of the week. You know, At the bare you, do, you can't do it in three years. Like they tried to do. Yeah. The obvious answer was not to go darker and grittier. It was to rebel against that instinct and to go for more hopeful shit like this. Is that how DC can dig itself Uh, out of the hole? Probably, but I want to say the MCU isn't exactly dark and gritty. Yeah, I feel like it's, um, 
the dynamic I always thought it as was um, Marvel MCU very consistent. You know what you're going to get. You know you're not going to get anything awful. Sometimes you'll get something like really like amazing, but usually, usually not that. Usually you're there. You you you're going to. It's very reliable, very consistent. Uh, and then the flip side of DC is um, sometimes it's going to be fucking awful. Sometimes it's going to be great though. And every time it's going to, at least with these last couple of movies, every time though it's going to be uh, there. It's, each film is going to have its own personality, its own soul. It's going to, you're kind of, you're kind of, uh, if you don't know what's going, anything about other than it's a DC superhero movie, you're, you're kind of taking a gamble, but it's going to be more interesting at the very least, I think. Well, at least DC doesn't do that exploitative thing, uh, exploitative thing that you mentioned where they take indie directors who can't, you know, stand in the way of the steamroller. Yeah. And, you know, use their bodies to uh, convert something into clay, use them as a talisman to shine the light off of so they can open the Temple of Prophets once more. I guess I just want to say I don't want to be Mr. Film Centrist here, but I just want to point out that Marvel doesn't do that anymore. As a matter uh, of fact, wait, wait, as wait. a matter of fact, with the Eternals movie they're coming up with, everyone points that that's a real indie director doing that movie. I just want to point out to everyone. They didn't go to that director. The director came to them. Listen, I won't buy it until fucking Stanley Kubrick does a Marvel movie, you piece of shit. All right? If they're so fucking good, why don't they just get Stanley Kubrick? He's a big odd guy. No, what they should do is get Martin Scorsese to do a Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) Bring the meme back. It'd be beautiful irony. Would you you watch this again? Absolutely. I've already seen it multiple times. I've only seen it once, but I'm down to see it again. Is there somebody in your life that you would show this movie to for any reason, positive or negative? Uh, my girlfriend. Uh, I was very happy when I found she also likes it. So maybe. Man, what the fuck? <laughs> Before I was happy for you. Now I'm just jealous. <laughs> I'm going to come in there and beat your ass. <laughs> Tanner, what important person in your life are you going to show Wonder Woman 1984 to? <laughs> You're supposed to say me. Oh, Austin. T- Tanner, after we had our falling out over that whole boat <laughs> thing, my family wasn't sure what was going on and I didn't know what to tell them. So I in the, I hid at my friend's house all weekend and just watched Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> it really took up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This really is the Satan tango of superhero films. Oh my god. Oh god. Yeah, Rain, thank you so fucking much for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to I'll, I'll invite me on for the Shazam one like in a decade whenever that gets finally uh, recorded. Yeah, we've been saying we're going to do that with Joe Vernick for like a year now. Uh, Rain, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, no. Uh, my name's Rain Conversi. Uh, look up Google me and you, you might find stuff. I don't know. The end. Don't you don't you have a website? I it's not really. I just sort of dump stuff on there. I think like most like most Webster students, we just uh I have one but only because I need one for professional development. Otherwise you don't pass. Yeah. I, I have a legit website and I made it before ProDev. All right, and we got to go. Thank you so much for uh, this has been the Bomb Squad podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.